0: this is film school grab your popcorn class is about to begin
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Film School Podcast. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Alex Heron. Alex Heron is a director and writer who was born in a small coastal town in Norway, and he's mostly known for his music videos, racking up billions of views and awards for some of the biggest names in the industry. He was raised in a filmmaking family and has lived between Oslo and Los Angeles for most of his life, shaping a style that has the delicacy of Scandinavia and a more commercial American style mixed together. We're here to talk talk about his new film, Dark Windows, which drops this Friday, August 18th. I got a chance to see the film early. It was really interesting, and I had a great conversation talking with Alex all about it. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Before we talk about the movie, I like to get some context around the creator behind it. So besides Highlander, what were some big influences on you early in your childhood that kind of shaped you?
0: Blade Runner. Yeah. When I saw that the first time, it scared the living shit out of me. I didn't know what what it was. And then uh, a couple of European art films. But yeah, it was. Uh, and then growing up, I really liked the Spanish director. His name is Pedro Almodovar. Hmm. Uh, but Ridley Scott was my favorite
1: director when I was, uh, when I was a kid. Growing yeah. up in a family of filmmakers, mm-hmm. was filmmaking always the path that you chose? Or was there ever this, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to go a different route.
0: I, uh, that's a good question. Um, I never really thought about anything else because I think I was on a film set when I was maybe five or six years old the first time Hmm. uh, in front of the camera. And I had nothing to do in front of the camera. It was just because my mom worked in film and I see those little films. Uh, I saw one of the scenes. It was about a year ago. I was like, you could tell that I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, But yeah, no, I knew, I, I knew, or I didn't know that the title was director. Uh, it was mm. a very close friend of my, my mom, uh, who was a director at the time. And I told him that, um, that I w- wanted to, I wanted to tell stories, Yeah, uh, but I also thought back then I thought it was a combination of, you know, that like you're a photographer as well. Mm. I didn't understand w- what it actually meant, but yeah, I think it was 11 or 12.
1: Well, you've and, had obviously a, a really long running career. You've worked in the music industry doing a ton of content there. Um, and have stepped into the feature film world, going into dark windows now, what were some things that you took with you from your career thus far that you brought with you into this project?
0: The first part of it was actually really scary because I hadn't been on a film set with with actors for more than five days. Hmm. um so that was that was daunting. I was like, holy shit i'm gonna you know I'm gonna communicate for you know however many weeks we were gonna shoot. I mean, one thing I always loved working with actors and shaping characters and developing the story together. But I think that one of the benefits that I have is after having made so many music videos, as I have, I'm much more relaxed mm. because uh, with the technical aspect of everything, I kind of know what's going to go to hell music video. You just know that everything's just going to go to hell at, at some point, And then you're lucky if it doesn't. And then obviously I like my visuals. Yeah. Um, and it's maybe it's easier for me to explain how i wanted what i wanted location choices for instance after so many music videos you know what stands out you know what tells a story what creates mm. depth uh, in the shot etc but the short films that i've made they're definitely the ones that taught me more about the communication of telling you know telling a longer story because a music video is is limited how much story you can tell you just have right. to be extremely efficient i think right. i was being a little too efficient uh, mm. now and then looking at, you know, uh, execution of it. And, and even on set, just looking, I was like, okay, I, I hurried certain things a little Hmm.
1: uh, too much now and then. So giving it time to breathe, you know, you've got more than five minutes to tell a story. Hmm. How much of that is focusing on showing and not telling where you're saying, I'm not going to put this in the script and have a character necessarily say this, I'm going to visually show this in this environment. Um, were you trying to wait out like how much is actually verbally said versus how much is kind of physically shown on screen?
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I, and it's it's a difficult one uh, to see before you actually, you know, shoot it. Mm. Um, but but when you're standing on set and you're seeing that the, the this the scene is shaping itself and uh, and the characters are, you know, being who they're supposed to be on screen. And then suddenly you're like, holy shit, that is it's not necessary to say that. Because it's not mm. always when when you prep or rehearse that you see those nuances that the actor is going to bring on set when you're shooting it. Whether it's a look and that look was no, mm. you know. You uh, obviously we we've cut out quite a lot of dialogue, which is which is quite common. But yeah,
1: you're starting off the bat with characters that have done some very questionable things. You know, this mm. this whole story is rooted in mistakes that have been made. And one of the things that can happen, especially I think within the the horror genre, is that you have characters who've done bad things, and you have the potential of them just being really unlikable from the beginning. So, how did you balance their morality being questionable and the characters also not being miserable to be with for the entire runtime of the film?
0: Yeah, but but I don't think that I don't think that uh, I don't think that people mean to be bad. Hmm. You know i mean it's like you know anyone in history i don't think that they meant to be bad they were it was just that these were their choices the this mm. that's his taste and that's her you know it's uh so they were they were never bad mm. they just made really really bad choices um mm. i mean as as we go through the movie uh, i mean obviously um monica character is quite unsympathetic but i but I don't think that she's a bad person.
1: That's an interesting approach and I think it's it's kind of an important thing I think approaching a film is that perspective from the filmmaker of not disliking the characters because I think we've all watched films where you can tell there's like a judgmental lens through which characters are viewed <laughs> and I I don't yeah. see this within this film whatsoever. Um I'm glad, yeah. There's a couple moments in the movie where it's just them existing. There's a handful of those before things really take off and and the bad things start happening. Um, you know, the moments where they're cooking together or or just talking around the dinner table. Did you have an inclination to do more scenes like that in the beginning to give us more time with the characters without the trauma, you know, kind of weighing heavy over those scenes or did you want to try to minimize those moments and just get to, you know, kind of the darker story at hand?
0: well uh we we had um we had more of them uh, hmm. not many but we but we had a few more and um i just found that it it didn't give us enough knowledge about them it didn't it didn't add to who who the character was or you know because obviously you know each of the scenes needs to needs to have a purpose for them uh, so we we had more but we cut them out Hmm. Um, we found out, uh, and we got this at one point, we, we got this, um, uh, editor who had done a lot of movies and he looked at it and started asking me questions about certain of the scenes that we'd left in. And, um, I agreed with him, it, his, hmm. uh, it, when he pasted in a different way, I was like, okay, this is, this is quite different.
1: Is there a scene that you loved by itself that didn't make the cut that you go, man, if this oh. was a different movie, this would have really fit in well
0: there was there was a scene with um, with Tilly al- hmm. alone all the way in the beginning um where she's in the bedroom by herself almost like the bathroom scene as it is now um where it just builds up more who she is and what what she's going through um and we we figured out that again that's one of those scenes that didn't really bring it any further It was a little bit more dialogue between her and her mother hmm. um but yeah that was a scene but also it, it wasn't just because it was a it was a very personal scene with her alone but it was also the visuals of it
1: speaking of visuals one of the i have to imagine one of the scariest things going to a project like this is the look of our our villain in the film and masks are something that can be very iconic, or there's something where if it doesn't look quite right, it can kind of take you out of the movie. Um, How much time did you spend on the look of the, the main antagonist of the film and trying to pick out that perfect mask for him?
0: Actually, it didn't take that long. So um, I play call of duty. Hmm. And so the mask is actually, partly inspired by call of duty
1: okay.
0: um yeah one of the uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, the skull uh skull masks hmm. so but we but we we with more uh, uh inspiration to it but that's actually uh, how that one started because well i can't you you watch the movie but at one point in the movie there's a photo of i can't say it because then i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna reveal the ending of it
1: what was it made out of, because when he when the mask is removed, the material's like super interesting. um, I was curious what's that actually made out of and and how is that accomplished?
0: It's such a pity because it's actually <laughs> in my basement. if not, I would have just held it right here uh it's a combination of stuff what do you call uh, uh what what do you call that fabric again um what the hell is that? I don't remember the name of the fa- fabric it's very like grainy and and, and um uh, stringy fabric hmm.
1: um what's it called again not
0: a i mean you could get bags made out of them yeah
1: it looked almost like a potato sack like that kind of yeah, it's almost like a consistency. Potato, yeah exactly yeah.
0: but on the inside i mean obviously because
1: to keep its shape this mask yeah. maker uh
0: has uh yeah it's in, inside it looks completely different but it, it was actually sitting here uh in my living room for a long time and. I would forget about it. It was just sitting here in the corner.
1: He's and just now and then over. people would just
0: jump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people would just jump. Like, what the hell is that? It's like this this space.
1: Yeah. It's kind of fitting to have something like that in your basement, you know. Throughout your career, you can just keep adding strange horror relics for when people visit. Just take a trip down yeah. to the basement, and look around.
0: I'm planning on it.
1: Obviously, you've got these characters, you've got this mask, and and you've got a lot of potential tropes that you can run into. And I breathed a sigh of relief when. Early on in the film, the characters say we're sticking together no matter what, you know, and they didn't have the classic. We're going to split up. You check out that sound over there. We're going to check out this over here. Um, yeah. Were you super conscious of some of those tropes? You know, I know, obviously, you're well-versed in film. You've watched and you're a fan of film. Did you go in going, I want to avoid having characters make some of these dumber decisions that people can make in situations like this?
0: Yes, Uh without a doubt. It's... Uh... And that was early on in, in the first draft as well. When, uh, uh, so I I wrote a rough draft and then Wolf, uh, my writer, took over. And that's one of the things that we talked about. Um, hmm. Now, that being said, I mean, I like a lot of the movies where they make that bad choice. Right. Uh, but sometimes it, it's so obvious that it's kind of like, really?
1: Yeah. yeah. Should
0: you go over that? You know? Uh, right. So, yeah, that was um, it, it was something that we thought about uh, fr- from the get go. Yeah
1: as this kind of terror ratchets up did you did you almost want to lean more into the the physical violence cuz there's a lot of psychological kind of what's about to happen mm-hmm. and you're sparing with the the actual moments of violence that are on screen did you have some question of should i pick people off sooner should i have a more violent comeuppance for certain characters do i you know again going into movie tropes sometimes you have the police show up and there's one or two people that come in and there's just extra body count there um yeah did you question pushing more like friday 13th slasher ask in some of those moments
0: yeah we, we we definitely did um and i'm glad that we didn't Mm-hmm. because uh one of the, I wanted it to feel as real as possible, yeah um even the way that we shot uh tilly's scene where where he where she meets the bad guy the first time um there was a different way of shooting it, which was just observing mm. the sh- the sheer violence of it or yeah. doing it the way that we ended up doing yeah. um but yeah, no there we we we, we thought about it. And I, I wasn't sure, but I wanted that slow build. That was really yeah. important for me because the the build to the climax and our climax comes a little bit later than, than a lot of other movies, right. um, especially horror, uh, horror movies. Uh, but the, I was just hoping to be able to create this build, this build, this build, this build, and then turn it.
1: Your film really feels in some ways like a ghost story in the way that it's constructed in that, there's not much, like I said, that's physically done to the characters for a lot of the film, but you're seeing elements of the antagonist throughout. So you're seeing these mm. moments where you're waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for something to happen. And mm. it's interesting because, you know, I've watched some films this year, like, you know, Terrifier 2, where it's just this unrelenting, just violent, 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 violent. And I think that has its place. But then you have this moment. Which I won't spoil for those who haven't seen the movie, but the the bag kill, for lack of a better word, that happens at the end of the film. It's such a simple moment, but it feels incredibly violent because you're sitting there waiting for something ha- to happen. You're sitting there waiting for this, you know, kind of comeuppance to take place. And it's a gut punch when it does. It's in it's this very unrelenting moment that again, it's not super bloody. It's not gory, but it, it just hits you. And you're going like, that's really brutal. And like, that's one of the more brutal things I've seen in a long time. Um, I think that, I think that payoff is really effective. And I think that slow burn that gets you there, it pays off well. Cause that's the question you have, like whenever there's a slow burn, you're like, is this going to burn at the end or is it going to kind of fizzle yeah. out? You know, when you get to that moment
0: just sitting through the edit with that too because i mean you you, you can watch a movie so many times yeah. and, and kind of go blind at some point right. uh and that i started bringing friends in to watch it just hmm. just to see what their reaction was and a, and a lot of my friends love horror movies so they're, they'll t- tell me honestly what they think and they they yeah. definitely have uh but but yeah no the that scene um it, it's is probably one of the worst scenes I've ever shot, but I, mm. but I think that went for for the cast and crew as well. A, but did you? But to me, that scene actually just flips everything around. To it's another point of view.
1: That's interesting. Can you can you without spoiling it? You know, and perhaps if you really, do. I'll it, put a spoiler. I'll put a spoiler warning here. But I'm curious what you mean by that, as far as turning the perspective around. That's interesting.
0: Well, that scene doesn't belong to them anymore. Mm.
1: Interesting.
0: See how coded I said that.
1: Yeah yeah it's interesting that's a lot to think about yeah it's it's a like i said it's such a it's such an interesting moment because i think again we're so programmed by horror film and by slasher movies and you have again you have like the visuals of a slasher but i think the atmosphere of a ghost story in that and it's a really interesting burn that leads to that moment And again, when it does, and then when there's the explanation for why he's doing things the way he's doing them, it's a Mm -hmm. really, again, it's, I don't know how to describe it other than gut punch. It's a really like, and that, that bag moment specifically is like so disturbing, but also so it's not just, Hey, how do we do the most carnage in this? It's like, this has a purpose. And in the mind of the killer, there's a specific purpose for the imagery of each of those moments, which I think is really Really cool, but I don't need to keep telling uh, you how cool this moment was. But it it, it really was like that's no, the moment I, that thank stood you, out to agree. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I, I hope a, so. Yeah, I, yeah. And uh, also
0: that, that it's it, it was it, like I said before. It's interesting with screenings and stuff like that hmm. to see how people respond to it because people have left the theater because of that scene, which really? which surprised me. Um, um, yeah, I was really surprised. Just straight up, n- people. Nope. Nope, and just left. Like, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Does that make you feel um, really proud? Do you pat yourself on the back and go, "I got someone to leave a theater"? It feels like a badge of honor. I assume as a filmmaker,
0: to a certain degree. But that scene to me is so so important.
1: Yeah, they missed the film.
0: You know, no, we we got them back again. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it. Yeah, they, you're right. They missed the film.
1: I want to know you've screened with a lot of hardcore horror fans that you consider friends was there any advice that was given to you that completely changed how you did something in the film? Was there a piece of feedback where it made a a huge impact on the direction you were taking things?
0: Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, one of the things was our pacing, Hmm. um, that we, it's strange with editing because pacing can also mean that it's too fast or if it's too slow. Um, but the the first feedback was that it was moving a little too fast. Hmm. Um, the first version and uh or or the first cut. And but that wasn't the beginning part, it was actually the the, the 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 second half of the movie. So it was more the the pacing and the the build of of um the creepier scenes that we did. Because yeah. it's really easy for us to watch something over and over and over again and kind of just you know, I've watched this so many times does it actually work right Um, right. and and here's the other thing too everyone can movie
1: yeah
0: you know it's just that we all have different tastes so at the end of the day obviously it's it's my taste that ends up on, on the screen but uh everyone can movie
1: yeah love that Well, I, as we wrap up here, I just want to ask the one question, ask everybody that comes on the show. If you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring filmmaker who is listening to this episode, what would it be? And uh, what would you encourage them to consider as they pursue this career? Just shoot, Hmm.
0: write your own projects and just shoot. It's um, I mean, the, the cliche is that you have one of these or you have a friend who's a DP or just shoot. That's the, that's the only way that it's going to happen. Well, if, you, nice. if you're not, if you're not going to paint your painting, then no one's going to
1: see it. Mm. That's great. That's a great way to say it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Thank, thank you, you for your film. It was, it was really powerful. Really appreciated the, the opportunity to see it and to uh, talk with you about it a little bit. I wish Appreciate we could talk it. much longer. So thank you so much. Me too.
0: Thanks for listening to the Film School Podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, don't forget to leave a five-star review and hit subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.